Welcome to episode 135 of District of Conservation. This is your host, Gabriella Hoffman. Thanks so much for tuning to the show. I am glad to see we have a lot of returning listeners because there's a lot of drop-off around the holidays, but it's good to welcome all of you back. I hope you're enjoying the content here and some of the interviews and discussions I've provided. We're going to be keeping up with that spirit going forward, especially as we're navigating this new political wilderness. And on that token, I'm going to dedicate this episode to discuss what bills you should be aware of coming from Congress. Here is a sampling of those bills. Check it out. With the 117th Congress underway and the two Georgia Senate runoff races decided, I'm going to focus first on federal legislation, the good, the bad, the ugly, the likelihood of their passage, and more. Here's what I'll first start with, and there is language currently being formulated and published, so I'm pulling this from congress.gov. All of these will be in the show notes for those of you listening, but I want to first start with one that I really like and that I unfortunately don't think will muster passage, um, even though the new rule relating to delisting the gray wolf is enshrined. I suspect this is going to be met in a legal challenge, especially with the incoming administration coming into a foot. But on January 4th, the gray wolf delisting measure went into effect, meaning that the lower 48 gray wolf will be managed by the states. And I'll read for you that a little more context, but the bill introduced by Congressman Tiffany of Wisconsin, a Republican HR 286 would be to amend the endangered species act of 1973 to exclude the gray wolf from the authority of such act to remove the gray wolf from the lists of threatened species and endangered species published pursuant to such an act and for other purposes. And this was October 29th from the department of interior after quote more than 45 years after gray wolves were first listed under the ESA, the Trump administration and its many conservation partners are announcing the successful recovery of the gray wolf and its delisting from the ESA. And in total, the gray wolf population in the lower 48 states is more than 6,000 wolves, greatly exceeding the combined recovery goals for the northern Rocky Mountains and western Great Lakes populations. The gray wolf is the latest in a strong list of ESA recoveries that includes the bald eagle, peregrine falcon, American an alligator, brown pelican, and 48 other species of animals and plants in the U.S. territories and water. Countless more have improved or stabilized. Collectively, these successes demonstrate that the ESA can make a difference for imperiled species. And I really have talked at length about this, and this issue will not go away, and we're not going to shy away from discussing it. Unfortunately, I don't see it passing in both a narrowly-led Democrat or a narrowly-led Senate the Senate may be interesting because there are a few Democrats who have moderate tendencies on these conservation issues. So I don't see this passing in the house, unfortunately, but I like it. And I hope if let's say the house were to get back into Republican control, maybe this will be deliberated, but ESA modernization, unfortunately will be taking a step back. Another bill, which I don't really have an attachment to, but I found interesting. And there's at least a dozen or so bills already there, but I, I picked a few that interest me. There's also the HR 274 bill, which would provide for no net increase in the total acreage of certain federal land under the jurisdiction of Bureau of Land Management, National Park Service, U.S. Fish and Wildlife Service, or the Forest Service. 
There's also H.R. 218 to prohibit the Secretary of Interior and the Secretary of Agriculture from issuing moratoriums on issuing new oil and gas leases and drill permits on certain federal lands. This is going to be something you're going to hear more about because with the Biden administration's plans to prohibit future oil and gas leases, that's going to cause a lot of friction in the energy space. You're going to see a lot of lawsuits relating to this. I don't know if this is going to pass in the House or the Senate, because like I had mentioned, the optics don't look like it will. Democrats are likely going to be in sync with pushing clean energy positions, shying away from oil and gas, unless they're from oil and gas heavy states. So sadly, I don't see this happening. But I think a legal challenge to any future moratoriums on oil and gas leases on public lands, federal lands. There's also H.R. 59 to amend the Magnets and Stevens Fishery Conservation and Management Act to provide flexibility for fishery managers and stability for fishermen. That kind of goes along the lines of the Modern Fish Act. There's also something interesting uh, with respect to public lands. H.R. 47 to amend title to amend Title 54 U.S. State Code to increase public access to recreational areas on federal land. Something that a lot of people kind of misconstrue with respect to, let's say, national monuments and some other public lands, although they stipulate that they're all about access, sometimes when you get further restricted territories like national monuments or national park service lands, A lot of the times, hunters and anglers are taken out of the equation and are unable to access public lands for hunting and fishing opportunities. This has been evidenced in Arizona. I have written about this, and I'm going to link to some of those articles and those things about kind of the duplicitous nature, where sometimes designating things as national monuments and even national park service lands actually roots out participation from public access through hunting and fishing. So this could be interesting. I don't know what movement it'll get, especially if it'll get bipartisan movement, but I I found that to be very curious. Now we're going to move on to some of the gun legislation afoot. That was a sampling of some conservation legislation, but here are some firearms related legislation. And this is where you're going to want to pay attention. And why I say that, because I want to reiterate this. You may not partake in hunting. You may not partake in shooting sports, but The bulk of conservation dollars comes from excise taxes collected on guns and ammunition. Interesting, right? So if you cut that revenue source, it's going to reflexively affect habitat restoration efforts, wildlife conservation efforts, and even hunter education programs. So firearms, guns and ammunition relate very much to conservation. You now know that connection through Pittman-Robertson funds. If you haven't already, I will link to that. If you're perplexed, you don't understand, you want to learn more, that's the connection. That's why we talk about firearms on this show. H.R. 127 would provide for the licensing of firearm and ammunition possession and the registration of firearms and to prohibit the possession of certain ammunition. We have seen this across different state legislatures. They've tried to pass this in Virginia and they failed. I'm very worried that this could gain some traction, especially because Democrats have narrow majorities in both the House and the Senate. This is where a lot of people, regardless of your politics, if you like firearms, and because we've seen such a surge in gun ownership across different political spectra, socioeconomic spectra, racial lines, etc., a lot of people are going to be paying attention who may have supported gun control in the past, but this is something you need to be very concerned about and urge your lawmakers to oppose. And if a bill like this can be killed in committee, in the House Judiciary Committee, that'll be wonderful. We don't want this to get a full House vote. So you're going to have to follow this, but H.R. 127 is something you need to track. There's also H.R. 95 
to amend the Internal Revenue Code of 1986 to remove silencers or suppressors from the definition of firearms and for other purposes. This is wonderful. We've wanted to have the Hearing Protection Act for a long, long time. Suppressors are shown to reduce noise pollution. They render better shooting experience. They're safer. They make farms usage a lot safer. They're often maligned because movies and even movies we like, like the James Bond series, showcase that criminals use suppressors for criminal intent, and that's not the case. They're really minimally used in crime, and they often get a bad rap. But under this type of Congress, given the makeup that we have, the likelihood of this passing, unfortunately, is not going to be very high. But I hope it does get heard, and I hope there is momentum building to take suppressors off the NFA and to make it easier to procure them in a legal fashion. Now, another thing, but this is very worrisome, H.R. 125 to amend Title 18 U.S. Code to provide for a seven-day waiting period for a semi-automatic firearm, a silencer, armor, piercing ammunition, or a large capacity ammunition magazine may be transferred. Waiting day periods are shown to embolden criminals, and we've seen different cases where when higher waiting periods are witnessed and people urgently need to have a firearm for, let's say, an abusive spouse, abusive partner, uh, it could lead to very dangerous consequences. So to make legal ownership a lot harder without criminalizing and prosecuting criminal elements, this this is not going to do anything to lessen crime. That's to just from bills like this. Uh, increasing waiting day periods could be a matter of life and death for some people who need to have a firearm for protection purposes from a domestic abuse situation, and it doesn't do anything to deter crime. So you need to keep your eye on HR 125 and oppose it. A good bill for a change, and I think one of the final federal bills I'll talk about for now is HR 38, which is the Concealed Carry Reciprocity Act. There's been a lot of building support for this over the years. Had Republicans maintained control of the Senate and had Republicans won back the House, they narrowly did, we could have passed this. But given the fact that we have a opposing power, we have the Biden administration coming in and, and they're very open about pursuing different gun legislation that is favoring and emboldening gun control, this wouldn't pass. But the fact that it's going to be heard should be applauded. Hopefully some support will continue to be built. And what it will stipulate is to amend Title 18 U.S. Code to provide a means by which non-residents of a state whose residents may carry concealed firearms may do so in the state. We've talked at length about this in the firearms industry, about the need for CHP reciprocity. It doesn't do anything to embolden criminals. It's good for everyone when practiced safely and responsibly. And let's hope it does get heard. But again, the likelihood of passing, unfortunately, is very slim. Thanks for listening to the podcast. Make sure you're following us on Facebook, Instagram, and Twitter, and your preferred podcasting platform. Most of our listeners hail from Apple Podcasts, so if you want to find a new home base to listen, go to Apple. It's a great way to listen, and it's a great way to channel and increase our rate and position on the Apple Podcast charts. So if you want to help do us a favor, help us reach more people, help us get on the wilderness charts more, listen on Apple, but I won't have any qualms with you guys listening on Spotify or all the countless other platforms we're on. Make sure to leave reviews and provide your feedback on social media, what you'd like to hear. Shoot me some guest ideas, shoot me some topic discussions on what you'd like to hear. 
And like I'd mentioned before in the recent episodes, we're going to act as a watchdog and keep a close eye on what's going to be transpiring in the Biden administration with their climate centric preservationist focus on conservation and environmental issues, which should alarm everyone, regardless of their politics or their political leanings. And I'm going to try to deliver good stuff, too, because we need to outweigh the bad with the good. I want to highlight positive people, people making a change, difference makers, and also talk about ways to come together on the boat, in the field, and at the range. Bye, everyone.